welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 43, Finding Your Story with Dan Davis from Sturry. I'm doing something I've never really done before, which is talking without any sort of bullet or outline or anything. Usually I just have bulleted if there's any things I want to say at the beginning. I recorded an intro and ending the other day and I just listened to it and I thought I sounded stupid. (laughs) So I decided to do a new one today, which is interesting because I have just had such a difficult evening and morning this morning. I've been kind of a puddle, just dealing with a lot of complicated feelings and issues and my birthday's tomorrow and that always tends to stir up a lot of a lot of feelings and emotions for me. It's interesting that our episode today is on finding your story and kind of owning your story because that is what I'm wrestling with right now, I would say, when it comes down to it. I'll talk to that in just a little bit. Our review for this week is entitled So Uplifting, Five Stars from Princess AEH. I had the opportunity to go to BYU with Julie and she's truly a great person, friend, and listener. I am so glad she has created this way to reach out and help others using her gifts. I have enjoyed listening, making connections, feeling supported, and even having a good laugh while listening to others share their stories. We have so much the same when we listen and truly see each other. Thank you, Princess AEH. I have a couple guesses of who you could be by those initials. Is this my roommate, maybe? Is this Alexis? Is this you? Whoever it is, I love you. You should send me a message. Thank you for leaving a review. We are up to, it looks like 79 ratings. That's awesome. Thank you so much. If you love it, if you can rate it and review it, that helps me out a ton. So I appreciate that. And plus, it's fun to share your reviews on here and just really create that sense of community with the ICU podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and the mission here, you can go to icupodcast.com. Just click support the podcast. And I appreciate those that have done that thus far. Before I head over to the interview with Dan, I just want to share a couple thoughts with you. And like I said, I have no I have no outline or any sort of script for this. This is just me this morning and what's in my heart. This morning, my heart is hurting because I am struggling with the fact that sometimes I have baggage over things that spills out onto my own little family sometimes. It can spill onto my husband. It can spill onto my kids when I'm less patient with them. I've been really struggling to have self-compassion over that because I think when it comes down to it, as much as I've talked about self-compassion and as much as I believe in it and have read about it and spoke about it and all of those things, there are certain things that are harder for me to have self-compassion about than others. And a lot of those are tied up in things from the past and my own experiences. It feels really good to be able to blame other people sometimes for our problems. And I think I found myself doing that at different points in my life. It feels good to be able to label something as good or bad, to blame something as someone else's fault. And sometimes it's a harsh reality to realize that each of us need forgiveness and each of us need compassion. Because when you realize that you need compassion, that you need to have self-compassion for yourself, it immediately takes me back to other people that I have not been as compassionate with and that 
they deserve it as well. And that can be a harsh reality sometimes to not be able to blame people for your problems, to have self-compassion for yourself. Other people are just as worthy of that love, no matter the mistakes they've made or the pain or hurt they've created in your life, that we are each individuals here to own our own stories and to do the best with what we've been given. We are not meant to just be acted upon, that we are meant to act. I love that this interview is this week and it's being published on my birthday tomorrow, which is fun. I'm going to be 29 because it's something that I am currently facing and wouldn't have even said that yesterday, but today that's what I'm going to say. I feel like I'm facing a new level of owning my story. So I hope that's not too ambiguous and weird, but that's what's on my heart this morning. Let's go ahead and turn over the time to the wonderful Dan Davis from Sturry. Welcome to the ICU podcast. Today we are here with Dan Davis from Sturry. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Will you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Let's see. <laughs> Father of three, soon to be four next month. I'm not sure exactly how we're going to make that happen from a management standpoint, <laughs> but uh, we love our kids and just live in Bountiful, Utah and started Sturry about three years ago and it's been an incredible journey. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'm a traditional sports fan and that's about it. I don't know. I may not be that interesting, I guess. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that and see if more comes out. Do you like the Lakers? I do not. I like Kyle Kuzma, though, because I'm a big University of Utah fan, and he went to the University of Utah. Cool. My husband's from Philly, and he loves the Lakers, and Kobe's from Philly, and he loves Uh, Kobe, and I think he's the one person in Utah that loves Kobe Bryant, you know? (laughs) I'm okay with him because I'm just a basketball fan, and he was a great basketball player. He is. He's a great basketball player, yep. So you are the founder of Sturry. Will you tell us about your experience before Sturry? My life has been, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's this picture, it's on the internet, and it it shows the most loops in a roller coaster. And there's like eight loops in this roller coaster. I feel like that's my life. I feel like it's just been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of things that have worked out temporarily and then failed miserably or things that I thought would work out and, and didn't. And that's really what had happened right before I started Surrey. I was down in Arizona, CEO of a healthcare company down there and just thought that was the next thing for me and my family. And, you know, I was 30 years old. You're seven, CEO at 30? Well, that's what I said to myself too. Wow, we've accomplished something here. But what I realized being there, I was running this operation that was much larger than I'd ever run before. And the title was the only thing that was good about that job. I didn't have any passion for what I was doing. I loved the people I was working with, but didn't love the services that we offered and didn't love the business side of what we were doing and had really kind of lost myself. I used to work in the film industry. When I transitioned from that, I thought this new job would be kind of my next thing and that we, when I say we, me and my wife and our family, had made the next career move that would solidify some stability in our lives. And really that was not true at all. It was a rocky road, it was really tough. My wife had just had our second kid. I decided to resign from that position down in Arizona. I was working 78 hours a week. I don't know anybody that can be super happy doing that. And that CEO title really didn't mean anything by the time I left. After having our second son, I was like, I'm not gonna spend all my time away from my family and keep convincing myself that I was working for them when I wasn't even with them. So I found myself unemployed, which was super fun. What happened next? What was the next step? Well, it was actually the first time I actually paused, put my life on pause, and I hadn't done that. I had run businesses since I was a teenager, and 
those weren't probably legitimate businesses, but um, because they were mowing lawns, landscaping, all that stuff. <laughs> but when I was in college, don't say I, that. My brother had a landscaping <laughs> company for, as an sorry. adult for a long time. <laughs> but when you're a teenager, you're not yeah. running it like a legitimate business. Absolutely. When you're an adult, you can. And, and so I'd always been an entrepreneur, and always felt like that was the vision and path for me. And it was interesting. I started my first, I guess you could say, legitimate business when I was a senior in college. And I just thought, this is the life I want to live, and just always thought that was the path I was going to take. From starting that first business to running a number of other businesses for other people, I just thought, this is what it's all about, working really, really hard in your 20s and 30s and becoming a millionaire by the time you're 40. And for me, becoming a millionaire wasn't actually about making that much money. It was actually making that money so I could free up my time to do whatever I wanted to do with my career. And that was my goal, to make enough money to do that and start whatever business I wanted to. And the problem was I never paused to actually do any self-reflection over the course of about 10 years. I would say on paper and on LinkedIn, my resume was successful, but me as a person, I was living way below my potential. That's what was eye-opening for me when I paused and actually looked at that looked at the experiences that worked and didn't work, I discovered what I coined perspective moments. Perspective moments are simple. Everybody gets them right away. There are those times where you have some self-reflection and you realize you learned something from an experience. And the problem is, is most of us, when we have those perspective moments, we just move on. And for the first time in my life, I actually got to reflect on what those perspective moments meant for me. And I identified all of those. And that actually helped me understand who I was supposed to become. So you weren't at peace inside when you were making probably pretty good money? Not at all. There were times where I was making good money, but there was times we had lost everything. We had somebody that had stolen from us in our first business, had literally lost everything and had to pay off lots of debt for years to come. And money had really nothing to do with my happiness. It caused a lot of stress, (laughs) for sure. But as far as who I was meant to be, it's interesting. The thing that I discovered during that time, kind of jumping ahead in my story, was my greatest asset was not something that could really be explained on a resume. And it was my ability to connect with people. And that had always been my strength since I was a young kid. I recognized that then, lost touch, lost sight of that. During this time of being unemployed, I actually realized I'm going to go do something that allows me just to be great at what I'm already good at. You're already good at. You know, what I'm already great at is naturally connecting with people. That's awesome. I talk to little kids in assemblies about this all the time, about using their superpower. I challenge them to close their eyes and I'm like, what's something you're good at that you already have that you actually haven't had to work that hard at? And if we can harness that, then we're unstoppable because we're using our superpower, right? Yep. And not that it's wrong to gain talents, but if we want to cash in on what's already working for us, I think that we have such a high chance for success and loving what we do. During this time, as you're doing this self-reflection, during this perspective moment that you choose to pause, who in your life showed you compassion or connected with you in a way that helped you find your story, your true self? It was definitely my wife. It was a really uncomfortable conversation to have, but it was a very neat experience for me and my wife. And I'll get to answering your question with this story, but of course I got to tell stories. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we want. Yeah. I had felt inspired for a number of weeks to start another company, which was super uncomfortable because we had just had our second kid, like I mentioned. We had no health insurance, still paying off debt for my first business. It was the furthest thing away from a logical decision, but I kept feeling that inspiration. And me and my wife had built our relationship off of the two T's we call it trust and transparency that means that we trust each other fully 
and we're transparent with each other no matter what comes out of our mouths. We trust each other that we're doing what's right for each other. And I decided to come home one day and tell her that I felt inspired to start another business even though our circumstances dictated another path, that we should turn down the job offers that were on the table and do that. She immediately started crying when I mentioned that. It was like one of those moments where you're like, oh crap, shouldn't mention that. It was cool because she started crying as well. She had the same inspiration that morning that I did. It was amazing for her to have that separately. So to answer your question, my wife was the one that enabled me to go to work on myself. I called up my aunt that is actually in the same building that we're in today with Sturry and asked her if she had an empty office or room or I didn't even care if it was a closet to get away from my screaming little kids every day and go to work and discover myself. And my wife respected that. She said, you know, if we're going to start a business, you need to get real serious about that. But she was okay with me going to work on myself first and discovering what I was supposed to do with all of these feelings and thoughts that I had had. So she really was the one that was compassionate, understanding. Once again, that trust and transparency was there throughout that experience. And I call them downloads. I'm a faith-based person, and I believe my best business partner is God. And and so I said, I'm going to go sit in a room. I'm going to work with my business partner, God, and I'm going to try to get some answers to these questions of life that I have first before I try to set up a business plan. And I had gone to business school, and that was very opposite of what was taught in business school. But it was very cool. I had what I call oftentimes downloads. They were just coming. It was like rain on a piece of paper. I just started started journaling. I started writing down in these. I actually couldn't afford those big, you've seen those big 3M sticky notepads that you can put on the wall. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford those because they were like $30. (laughs) And so I went to the dollar store and just bought a bunch of 50 cent white poster boards and tacked them to the wall and just started writing down all these thoughts and impressions. And because of my wife's support and understanding and trusting me that I would go do what's best for my family, I got to work on myself for three months. The discoveries in that time, I tell people, if you have an opportunity to be unemployed or not work for that long, you will discover some amazing things about yourself. And that was the case for me, all because my wife trusted in me and gave me that sincere compassion and love to allow me to go do that. Holy cow. Good job, wife. Yes. That's awesome. She's amazing. She showed up when she needed to. Like, that's amazing. She does every time. Every time. But when your life just completely takes a detour that you were not expecting, and that can be pretty jarring, even to our sense of self. How did this help you gain empathy for people going through that? There's a lot of things I discovered in that process. From a mental health standpoint, that was a super difficult time for me. I felt of no value after being the CEO of a company and then just having no job and lots of debt and no way to provide for my family. Loss is different for everybody. Loss might be a loss of identity, might be a loss of an actual human being that's close to you. It might be loss of a job or whatever that is. We all lose something on a pretty regular basis. Loss of a dream. Yeah, loss of a dream. That was a great segue into my next comment. If you were to describe, (laughs) you knew, if you were to describe what I felt during that time, it was I had lost my dream of being an entrepreneur and being successful on my own and started to really doubt who I was and my capabilities. But on the flip side of that, I discovered who I was and that the greatness was always inside of me. My empathy for others was just accelerated because I understood the process in gaining a win after having such loss in my life. I actually created this business to help people discover that divine potential that's already within them because I didn't want anybody to feel hopeless like I did. I didn't want people to feel like they didn't have 
an opportunity to do something great with their life just because of the circumstances. And that could be things that were given to them just by nature of health or circumstances around them or decisions they made that put them in that situation. And I had made a lot of those decisions that put us where we were. And some inspired, some not. Once again, going back to that definition of loss, everybody has their different definition of loss. And what's the same across the board, whether you've lost someone or lost yourself or lost opportunities, you can have hope knowing that deep within you, you have greatness. And you just need to spend time discovering that. I've done a lot of reading as I've done a lot of PTSD work and your inner child work and things like that. And it reminds me a lot of that. You're connecting to your inner self the inner child and it's kind of like the core of you before any experiences altered what you think and being able to shave that away and find out what's going on in there what do you have or anything touched it oh totally i describe it this way when i was in junior high all the girls i had crushes on gave me the wrong notes in my yearbook according to me they weren't like hey you're so cute like you wanted in junior high they were hey you're so nice (laughs) your smile made me happy every day all these things and i'm like oh great i'm just the friend you know it's like when i told my husband i'm like you're like my brother he's like not Uh, yeah don't tell me that (laughs) but it was funny because back then i didn't look at it as anything it was just who I was all those people throughout junior high and high school and yearbooks don't mean a lot but it meant a lot to me because people recognize something I didn't recognize in myself and when I go back and think about that people realize that I had that ability to connect with them instantly even if it was just a smile or a hug that empathy was always naturally there so going back to those days that's when I what I was saying earlier I lost that. I still was doing it in a lot of ways, but not to my full potential because I was so focused on business and my career. You mean when you were working mm-hmm. as that yeah. CEO and that's when you lost it, not during the three months? Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like I finally started to regain it during those three months and I started to really just connect with people and my life was so fulfilled. And I surrounded myself with people as much as I could every day. I tried to set up my whole calendar to surround myself with people that would give me positive energy and that I could maybe help. And during that experience, it lifted me to another level and made me understand. When me and my wife decided to start a business, we didn't know what it was going to be. Going through that process with me, I knew what it was. I just needed to create the version of me in a business. I needed to create a platform that allowed people to feel that way about themselves and feel that potential. And that's how how we started Sturry. Man, does your aunt have another closet? I can watch <laughs> Listening to this, because I'm on a similar journey, I feel like through the years I've figured out what I want to do, but it's like layer by layer, and I'm honing in on it closer and closer and closer. And just recently, I'm feeling like I'm in one of those perspective moments where I have decisions to make of exactly where I want this to go, exactly what I want to do. What does that look like for my family? You just need that quiet, that mindfulness to connect with your God, with what you really want, what your will is, what is most important to you when no one's around and all is said and done, what do you want most? Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I- It's terrifying. I can't tell people that that was an easy experience because I was so anxious because of my business background to go work on the business and to go make money for my family. And it was a huge risk to take that route, but I felt very inspired that you gotta fix yourself first, Dan before you go and change the world or even provide for your family, fix yourself first. And I uncovered some things about myself that I was like, that is hard to hear, hard to see. And many of those, one of them was, you're not an operational CEO, you actually kind of suck at it. And I was like, okay, (laughs) that hurts. You know, that's what I went to business school for. That's what I was doing, running all these businesses. And then I analyzed all the, the business failures I had had 
and the business successes and I compared those two and it was like the failures were when I was in charge of all the operations and the successes were when I was in charge of the relationships and the vision and creating that and letting people follow. So I went, okay, that sucks to find that out that you're not good at what you know yeah. you were putting on your resume for years. Yeah. But finding out that connecting with people is a very valuable asset and can really help propel your career, but most importantly, propel you personally. That to me was a great discovery, even though it came through a lot of hard work to get there. Oh, I can relate on so many levels. This is good for me personally. Good. If you're familiar with the podcast, it's all about compassion, connection, and seeing people. What are some ways to see someone who is experiencing loss and disappointment in the closet, anxious about their next step? What are some ways to see them? I give people this analogy. We've done over 160 stories, and for people that aren't familiar with what we do, we create these uh, mini documentaries or short videos. And they're amazing. I've been catching up on someone. They're beautiful. I was going to say, have me crying. That's not the hardest feat. I went to the Avengers movie last night. And (laughs) And you still cried during that? Oh, my gosh. The last 10 minutes, and I won't say anything about it. Go on. I'm just saying they're truly beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So we wanted to capture that emotion. It was going back to me, who I am as a person, that connection, building that through our stories. And we've done 160 stories, 160 plus stories now. That means that's 160 case studies on different humans that I've met across the world. And going throughout that process, I realized you really don't know someone until you dig into the depths of their story like we do. And most of our relationships are very surface level and we don't quite understand who people are until we actually have a conversation like we get to have when we sit down across the camera and ask them the tough questions about their life. And what we do, it's no secret, is we help them discover their perspective moments. And that's our secret sauce to how we build stories. And so I bring that up because if you were to see compassion in other people, you would actually look at them and say, what is their story? What have they been through that I don't know about them? What have they overcome? What good are they doing? What's their inner superhero or their divine potential that they have within them? Until you look at people like that, you actually look at them as either problems or inconveniences or somebody you have to have a relationship with, especially when they're going through a hard time and you don't have the answers to fix everything for them. You kind of see that as, I want to help, but I'm not sure how. The process that we've gone through doing all these stories, I see people so differently. It's not about what advice can I give them or how can I help them. It's just what questions can I ask them? I think that's helpful if you're the one going through it. What questions can you ask yourself? When people invite me to speak across the country, I don't do what they think I'm going to do. I actually go in there and I say, I'm going to help you discover your perspective moments. Because a lot of people invite me to speak on marketing things and things related to video and marketing. But I say, we're not even going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what types of questions can you ask yourself that will draw out that inner potential that you have within you. This is why I wanted you on my podcast. There's someone listening that is feeling discouraged because their life is not turning out the way that they had hoped. You've been there. You have that perspective. What message would you leave with them? What would you want them to know if you could tell them anything in a couple minutes? It'd be be grateful it's not turning out the way that you planned. There's a bigger purpose and plan for you than you understand at any given moment. I'm so grateful my story didn't turn out the way that I had envisioned it when I was younger and when I envisioned it five years ago and three years ago because it's so much better. It is not so much easier. It's been a lot of crap, a lot of tough stuff, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of 
payrolls you can't pay, people donating food to your family because you can't afford to put food on the table, Mm -hmm. people helping you with Christmas. All of those humbling experiences, now I have incredible experiences to lean on. They have made me who I am today. And just embrace the fact that your life is not going to ever go as you want it to go. There's amazing opportunities that will come if you're just open to them and learn from them and find those perspective moments. You'll actually become the greatest version of yourself very naturally. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) What's the best way people to follow you? I have found so much inspiration. So is it Sturry.com? Yeah, it's just S-T-I-R-Y. So it stands for Stories That Stir. Stir and move emotions. Sturry.com is probably the best place to go and just get yourself in there and lost because it'll help you figure out yourself. And then you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook with Sturry, S-T-I-R-Y. Thank you so much for being here, Dan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here for this wonderful episode of I See You. I will leave in the show notes a link to his website, Sturry.com, a place where you can feel really uplifted and inspired. He's a great friend and mentor. Next week, I am so excited. I'm actually going to this interview today, but it will be published next week. I am thrilled to be going to the studio of famous artist Liz Lemon Swindle. We will talk a little bit about her art, but with the theme of this podcast and Compassion and Connection, she requested to be on here, and we are going to talk about Operation Underground Railroad. And if you're not familiar with that, I would suggest you look them up because you should be. Operation Underground Railroad is a movement that is helping to rescue people from human trafficking. I am thrilled to be able to publish this episode with the well-loved and known Liz Lemon Swindle, both about how she sees people through her art and what she is doing to be involved in the Operation Underground Railroad movement. I cannot wait to have her presence on my podcast and I can't wait to be in her studio today. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.